0: We are so glad that you are here with us today whether you have been traveling around and visiting family or friends whether you are here in Chattanooga on a regular basis but this is the first time that you've been able to come and and share this time of encouragement and praise with us whatever has brought you here today we are thankful uh, that you are that you are here with us and we do encourage you to stop by our connect center as you're heading out into the lobby you can you can learn a lot of information about our church family here also, uh, there'll be a time together called EB101. It'll be in our prayer room uh, this morning after our time in here. Our prayer room is located in our lobby. Just go outside and uh, depending on the doors, you either turn right or left. You can't miss it out there. A little sign that's on the door, prayer room, and we'll be in there talking about uh, just how God uses the people who call East Brainerd home. And we would encourage you to come and be a part of that if you're new to our midst. And if you'd like to have more information about our, our church family. We're in the midst of a series right now called Good News and we're doing it because there's a lot of bad news in the world but we really believe that there is good news and it, that good news is heaven's answer to all of the world's greatest needs. And But we've had to be honest and say look our world is filled with bad news and each week we make the point and say, you know, it's, uh, it's something that comes into your inbox. It probably uh, came via a phone call. You heard about it somehow uh, this week from a family or a friend. You had information that came into your life that you were not expecting and it was just bad news. And if we're not careful, we can become so fixated on the bad news that we think that, that well, everything around us is just going wrong and nothing is ever going to get better that nothing is ever going to improve and that Tennessee will never win another football game. But it is not true. It is not true. Because I have, I have good news. I have good news today for all of you Vols who are, are suffering today. Uh, good news, there will be no Tennessee football next week. That is the good news, all right? That, um, that, is, that is the good news, but for all of our Bulldog fans who are here, you got to play Georgia the week after that, Tennessee. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But there is no Tennessee football next, next week. So, um, hey, good news. Hey, did you know that Jesus never asked anyone to be a Christian? But he did ask individuals to believe that there was good news. And you might look at your life and say, well, I consider myself to be a Christian. I, I am a Christian. I am a follower of Christ. And, and that is wonderful. And I am glad if you look at yourself and say, "This is who I am." And if you can't say that about yourself, I hope that you will consider the good news of Jesus and what that could mean in your life. But Jesus never asked anyone just to be a Christian. But Jesus said, "Look, I would love for you to believe, to believe the good news." And it's not just it's not just news that has to do with our eternal salvation. It's news that impacts what is going on in our life right here and and right now. Author N.T. Wright wrote in his book Simply Good News that instead of suggesting that we could escape the earth and go to heaven, Jesus' good news was about heaven coming to earth. The good news, or maybe as you grew up hearing it, perhaps in Sunday school, the gospel. The gospel is all about what God what God has accomplished in the past is accomplishing right here and now in the present and then will accomplish in the future. And the good news of all that is that you and I have the opportunity to partner with God in accomplishing his kingdom agenda. Ours is a life of relevant influence. We, We have the ability to influence others in the life that they live and we have been given a ministry of healing and a message of hope. Because if you haven't noticed, our world has a love problem. And our world has an anger problem. And our world has a forgiveness problem. And our world has an acceptance problem and a value problem. And our world has a fear problem. And yes, our world has a sin problem. And as followers of Jesus, we have good news because there is healing and there is hope in the kingdom of God. We have a message and we have a mission. It's why scripture says that The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to to all people, everybody. Salvation is available. And the root meaning in Hebrew of salvation is to be broad and to become spacious and to enlarge. It is this idea that there is deliverance from an existence that has become compressed and cramped and confined. You see, in Christ, what God is doing, God is throwing open the doors and ushering us into an existence That is highlighted by justice for the marginalized, mercy for the outcast, and humble fellowship. Grace is the key that unlocks the door to this broad and spacious existence. And Jesus Christ is the mediator of this grace. And here's good news. Good news, there is unhindered access to this salvation. There are no ethnic, there are no gender, and there are no social barriers. Everyone has access to the King of this kingdom. And so it's why we get excited. It's why there is enthusiasm for the follower of Jesus Christ, because there is good news. It's why Paul would write to individuals living in the most infamous city of his time, and he would say this I am so eager. I am so eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Paul says, look, I've got some great news. And I can't wait to get there and share it with you church people. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not. But the gospel, the good news, is not just for those people who don't know Jesus. For some reason, we've gotten into our heads that this idea of gospel or good news, well, it's for the non-follower of Jesus. It's for that individual that is not considered to be Christian. And yet Paul writes to a group of Christians living in Rome and says, you know what, I can't wait and come talk to you about the good news. He wants the church people to get on board with this. He wants the Jesus people to understand that more than just being a message about how that, yes, there is heaven and yes, there is God and yes, there is salvation in Christ, that there is good news for the life that they are living right here and right now he says I want to come and talk to you about your cramped and compressed existence and I have news that has the ability to change your life no matter your background or your religion or your family of origin and let's just be honest maybe you're here this morning and and you consider yourself to be Christian you consider yourself to be a follower of God but you have never experienced the true salvation that the good news offers you're still living that cramped existence you don't realize that you are unhindered when it comes to the life that God has called you to live and Paul Paul when he's writing this he is stoked I mean he is excited he says I prothumos I eagerly want to come it's a word that means I am ready I am willing I am not weighed down by any resistance there is excitement in his pen there is passion in his words he is that 8-year-old on Christmas Eve that can't go to sleep because he knows what's going to be happening the next day. He's the 16-year-old who pulls out of the driveway for the first time that can't wait to get to her friend's house. He's the, the 22-year-old that has just gone on that special date and can't wait to get home and to let everybody know what has happened and how this special someone is truly changing their very existence and their future. That is Paul as he's talking about the good news that he wants to be able to share. He has good news and he cannot wait to share it. There's excitement. And he can't wait to get to the people of Rome. And that hope, that hope that is found in the good news of Jesus Christ, well, it's that hope that we continue to want to be excited about, don't we? You see, I want these guys that are over here in middle school and high school to be excited about the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't want it to be something that is just some churchy thing, that some obscure idea that is talked about in Bible class, but I want them to really believe that following after Jesus is good news and it can have an impact in their life, in the life of their friends, in the life of their family. I, I want you, even though maybe some of you, you've been at church and done church things, it seems like all your life, I want you to have a renewed excitement about the good news of Jesus Christ because of the impact that it continues to have in your life you see in the coming weeks we're going to we're going to find how that Paul believed the good news of Jesus could impact and and change hearts that were clouded by racism and and sexism and materialism and in fact Paul felt like Jesus was the answer to all the isms of the world You just think about some of the problems maybe that you have or some things that really upset you. All of these different isms that we see in our news feeds. And Paul says, hey, I've got good news. I've got good news for that. And I want to share it with you. Believe the good news. It was a message that he wanted everyone to hear. So midway through a letter that he would write to individuals living in Corinth, he explained his strategy for sharing the good news. He said, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who were under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. He says, I do everything to spread the good news. And to share in his blessings. Guys, I think we need to learn something. I think we need to learn something from Paul. He says he was a free man. That being he was not obligated to conform to anyone's ideas or opinions. He says he had been set free in Christ. And the only obligation he has was was to be conformed to Christ. And yet he surrendered himself actually making himself, he says, a slave to everyone, he says, so that he might be able to share the good news with as many people as possible. Paul says, look, I became as a Jew to the Jews. I walked like a Jew. I taught like a Jew, which was pretty easy for him because that's how he was raised. He was Jewish. He went along with their customs and their laws just as long as just as long as nothing violated his walk with Christ. And he did this in order to relate and to connect and to impact the Jews with the message of Jesus. To the non-religionist, he became like those who did not observe the Jewish law. He walked like a Gentile. He talked like a Gentile. He went along with their customs and beliefs just as long as as those customs and beliefs did not cause him to violate his walk with Christ. He did this in order to relate to and to connect to and and to impact the non-religious with the message of Jesus. To the legalist, Paul acted like a legalist, conforming to their laws and ceremonies. He went along with their their petty rules and regulations without becoming entrapped and, and bound down by their legalism. To the liberal, he was a liberal, though he never went beyond the law of Christ. He conformed to their ideas and to their opinions in order to have an open door, in order to be able to share the message Because his desire was to relate to and connect to and impact people with the message of Christ. And he states, he says, look, here is why I'm doing it. I don't want there to be any any misconceptions. He says, I'm doing this because I have become all things to all people so that I might possibly be able to save some. Some of you have wondered before, and we have a class right now on Wednesday nights called Why Does My Church?, Some of you have asked, well, why does my church do X? Or why does my church do Y? Or why is Chris talking about this? Or why is Chris talking about that? We don't want you to be surprised in any way or in any form. And we want to be as honest as we can. We do have an agenda here at the East Brainerd Church of Christ. We want to save as many people as possible. That's our agenda. We're just going to be open and honest about that. We want as many people to come to Christ as possible. That's what we want to be about. And Paul, Paul declared, you know what, that he was willing to go to extremes in order to reach those individuals. What mattered in his life was not him, it was not his rights, but the gospel. The gospel was the consuming passion of his life. Because he wanted to do whatever he could to make sure that people did not miss out on the grace of God. He was willing to go farther than others went in order to increase the kingdom of God. And so here's my thought. I truly believe that we must be willing as a church to go further than others go in order to reach those that others are unwilling to or unable to reach. Paul said, I genomahi all things. He said, I become the word means to be transformed from one realm or one condition into another. And it signifies that there has been a change of condition, a state, or a place. In the form of the word that Paul uses expresses that becoming all things was a choice that he made. It wasn't something that God did to him on his conversion. It was a choice that he made and then continued to live in. He's saying, look, this is no accident. The reason that I'm living the way that I'm living The reason that I'm taking these trips that I'm taking. The reason that I'm talking to the people that I'm talking to. He says, I have chosen to do whatever it takes short of sin to make sure that others don't miss out on the grace of God. He said, that's what I'm about. And understand, we can only adapt to and minister to our culture when we make an absolute commitment to do it as Paul did. We're not talking about compromising biblical truth of being flexible in our approach to both evangelism and ministry. See, if you're new here to East Brainerd, we as a church have this wonderful commitment. We have a commitment to pattern ourselves after those first faithful men and women that you read about in the New Testament. Like those in Acts chapter 2, we have a commitment to the apostles' teaching and, and to communion and to prayers and to fellowship. You've been participating in that commitment already here this morning. But should we not pattern ourselves just as much after that first century passion as that first century practice? Those first Christians were totally sold out to the good news of Jesus Christ. It was the message about Christ that, that fueled their relationships, reorganized their priorities and, and clarified their focus. Those early Christians were known for their message and how their message infected, impacted not only them, but also the others that were around them and their everyday lives. And let's be honest, it can can sometimes for us, we can find ourselves more passionate about our practice than our witness. And there are times that we can be more concerned about our church's direction than our friends and neighbors' connection with the grace of God. Dr. Hayes, I know you've said it before, and I appreciate you reminding the leadership here over and over. But you've made the comment before, it just seems like we lack a passion for connecting others to the grace of God. And I appreciate the way in which you have encouraged me through the years to to fuel that passion and have it be something that is more consuming in my life. You know, there are churches all around us attempting to reproduce a first century pattern. Could we not, as Paul, go farther? Farther than others are going in order to reproduce a first century passion. In order to increase the kingdom of God. It will mean doing more than we have ever done in order to reach more than we have ever reached. But here's the deal. Most of the churches that you see around us, it's just the case. It happens. Most churches today are looking for Christians. Christians. That's what we do. We look for Christians who think and act and talk and dress like us. And and on our signs, we encourage individuals to come and worship with us this Sunday. Yet the average unchurched man or woman is not driving down the highway looking for a place to go and talk to God. Honestly, they're not even looking for us. What an impact we could have if we intentionally went looking for them. One day, Jesus saw a little man who had climbed up in a sycamore tree. He called to him by name and said, hey, let's do lunch. He said, let's do lunch. In fact, why don't you cook? And hey, when Jesus asked that, you say, sure, right? No inconvenience. And so, Zacchaeus went down out of the tree and took Jesus to his home. And that day... Scripture says that the dishonest tax collector became a follower of Christ and his life began to change and the lives of those around him began to change. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. He said, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus was on the lookout for those who were hungry and those who were thirsting for meaning and purpose in their life it was not the healthy who needed a doctor he would say but it's the it's the sick he said I haven't come to call righteous but I've I've come to call sinners I, I've come to call those whose life is bad news and unlike most of our churches Jesus focus was on sinners not on saints and yet and yet go ask church leadership ask our leadership about the percentage of time and effort that's spent worrying about the saints and how any change or inconvenience is going to impact them, whether it be real or imagined. The church needs the good news. The church needs to hear the gospel again so that those who are not a part of the church can hear the gospel again. How many unchurched people do you eat with on a regular basis? How many non-followers of Jesus do you see? You know, Jesus was criticized because he spent so much time with sinners. What if we were to open our eyes more and look around for those who were were lost in materialism and debt or addiction or guilt or self-pity or sinful, destructive lifestyles and intentionally target those individuals? They're at your office, they're on the ball field, they're part of our families. They serve you coffee, they mow your grass, they clean your teeth. They're young and they're old, they're rich and they're poor. They sit next to you at PTA meetings at school. They sit next to you at concerts. They're even sitting next to you here in church. They're every man and they're every woman. And we intentionally focus on these, not because of some judgmental desire to correct or admonish but because we truly believe that there is good news that offers life on a different level. And we want to be able to share that because we believe that gospel has impact, not just in the life to come, but in the life that is right here and right now. I've encouraged you to do this before and I want you to do it again. But perhaps what you need to do today is to jot down a little notebook, the name of a person or persons that you interact with the most often through the course of the day of the week and this person is going to become your one or your two and you begin to pray for him or her and that name represents a person who is of extreme value to Jesus Christ and therefore they become of extreme value to you to me That name represents someone in whom we are going to invest and invite. By that I mean invest time and energy in getting to know them. And then invite them not just to a program or service here at church. But invite them to your house for a meal. Invite them to Starbucks. And invite them to Einstein's. Say you'll take your lunch break and reschedule some things so that you can have time to share with them. Remember, your job isn't to drive people to Jesus. You lovingly show him to them. It's the idea of saying, look, I know you're struggling and going through some difficulty right now because of some choices that you've made. How how, how is that all working for you? I just just wonder if you'd be interested in considering some things that Jesus has said about life. Because I really believe that there's good news found in Jesus Christ. And I'd like to talk to you about that. You faithfully plant the seed with strangers and with friends. You look for opportunities knowing that God will give the increase. Now here's the thing. If you don't want to have a one in your life, then do not pray for one. And you won't see anybody. But let me tell you, if you start praying for that one... If you start praying for God to open your eyes, if you start praying for there to be a time at lunch, if you start praying for there to be a time after school, if you start praying for there to be a time in your neighborhood, then let me tell you something. You better be ready to step up. You better be ready to be filled with excitement with the good news because there's going to be an opportunity that is going to come your way. You never know how God may use you to build a bridge to someone that you come in contact with. And a word for each of us who call this place home. A, a word for, for those who say that, that I'm a part of the East Brainerd Church family. This morning you may have passed someone else's one. You might, you might just be sitting right behind them right now. You may have held the door for them. You might have handed them a cup of coffee. You, you, you never know when someone else's one is going to walk through our doors and come into your sphere of influence. So, so, we, so we better make an extra effort to smile and, and be welcoming and engage and, and, and talk. You know, when, when we come together for our times of praise, Derek often will lead a couple of songs and, and then he'll say, Hey, let's, let, let's, welcome, let's welcome each other. And I don't know, maybe you've thought before, weren't we just doing that out in the lobby? Weren't we welcoming people in the parking lot? Weren't we welcoming people on the steps? We might have missed your one. You might have missed the one of somebody else that's that's here sitting close to you this morning. And we want to give you as much opportunity as possible to meet somebody else's one. And to be able to welcome them and say, you know what, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming today. For whatever it is that brought you, we are glad that you are here because we believe that there is good news. See, we've got to treat every stranger that we meet as if they are somebody else's one who had been prayed over. Because someone else has prayed for this moment, for this encounter. And you know what? Satan would love nothing more than for, than for a careless and selfish act to get in the way Of this one seeing Jesus. Satan would love for my gossip to be overheard. And Satan would love for me to keep to myself. And Satan would be thrilled if I complained about the way someone was dressed or if I refused to lift my voice in praise. He would be overjoyed if the reason someone else's one chose to resist the call of Christ was because of me. Paul said, I have become all things. I have chosen this. I have chosen to become all things to all people. And so, you know, if that means that I have to give up my seat, I give up my seat. If that means I have to be inconvenienced by changing Bible classrooms because those rooms get filled and I've got to go somewhere else, then I change Bible classrooms. If that means I have to spend less time catching up with friends and more time getting to know strangers, then that is what I'll do. If it means that I have to park farther from the building or, or even learn songs that I don't know, or sit with someone who doesn't share my my color or my language or my creed, then that's what I will do. I will give more and serve longer. I will forgive freely. And love deeply. I will come early and I will stay late. I will not expect my opinions to be everyone else's standards. I will do this and I will do more because I do not want you or one to miss out on the grace of God. Because of what Jesus did, I will. How do you fill in that blank? How do you fill in that blank for work this week? How do you fill in that blank at school? How do you fill in that blank at home? How do you fill in that blank here within the church body? Because of what Jesus did, I will. Because of what Jesus did, I choose. Because of what Jesus did, I am excited because there is good news. And because there is good news, I will. Friends, everything we do, everything we do from the songs that we sing to the bulletins that we print, everything we do from the classes that we offer to the ministries that we serve, everything we do from my messages to the greeter's smiles, everything we do from the way we greet the bank teller to the way we thank the babysitter, everything we do should be done in order to effectively impact this culture. With the gospel of Jesus Christ, making sure that no one misses out on the grace of God. So there's excitement and there's joy and there's energy and there's happiness because the people of God have come together today to shout and to sing and to praise because of the good news of Jesus Christ. And because there is good news, You and I have a message and that message is one of hope and because we have good news, we have a ministry and that is a ministry of healing and because there is good news, we are influencers that can change the lives of those who are around us. Because there is good news that there are are no more barriers, individuals are unhindered. All who want to come to Jesus can And because there is good news, then we have something to talk about. And we have something to share. And we have something to shout from the rooftops. Because there is good news, there is excitement. And because of what Jesus did, I will share that excitement with others. Will you join me as together we stand and give God praise.